A reading from Isaiah. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn, and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings of your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord shall give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall see, you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The word of the Lord. A reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for a common good. No one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various gifts of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, The mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. 
And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now, standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. It was great to hear you all laugh. This is one of the pithiest of the miracle stories, and for John, that is saying something. John is always unfolding to us an enormous amount of meaning in as few words, it seems, as possible. And a helpful place to begin is with sort of the practical elements of the story that really touch us where we live. This story is lifted up, incidentally, in the Book of Common Prayer in the Exhortation for Marriage, which goes something like this. Jesus ordained this manner of life by performing his first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And I'm fond of reminding couples who are preparing for marriage about the elements of this story that you might say are less than celebratory or joyous. It begins, of course, with a bit of a confrontation between Jesus and his mother, her first appearance, by the way, in the Gospel according to John. And it's a classic moment. She notices that the wine is gone, and she comes to her son, and I don't know if she exactly complains, but she makes note of what's happening. And for all of us who know what family dynamics are like, we can hear there's a subtext to what she's saying. And Jesus, you know, if he were Yiddish and from the Northeast, might have said, Oy vey, what do I look like, a vintner? Right? It irritates him. It jabs him. And yet the subtext he's passing on to her is not just frustration, but, okay, mom. And she turns to the servants and says, perhaps with an edge to her voice, do whatever he tells you. The other thing I tell couples is that you have to remember from this story that all of the action that's really going on is happening in the kitchen. It's not happening even with the bridegroom or with the stewards out in the wedding feast. And the other amazing thing about this story is that it's only the servants 
who know what's really going on. And so I remind couples, as I remind myself in my own married life, our first call is to serve one another. That's where the work of life together begins. John is also tapping very deeply into the tradition. We heard that today in Isaiah. Isaiah brings this old theme to a people who are in exile a theme that the prophets come back to over and over again, and that is, not only is God looking out for them, but they are espoused to God. They are married to God. Which means that there is a responsibility for life itself, and that God has promised never to abandon them. That same kind of vow, of which many of us are familiar in our own lives, it's a sense of devotion that is so deep and so pervasive in the Hebrew texts that Christian authors will pick it up and they will reframe it as the espousal, the betrothal, and the marriage between Christ and the church. That's the parallel between our traditions. And the same school, if you will, that produces John's Gospel also produces the book of Revelation, which will take this theme of the bridegroom and the bride or the theme of Christ married to the church to its final conclusion in that beautiful image in Revelation when the church is lifted up and married to Christ. Then, of course, John is speaking to us at the sacramental level, the level of water and wine, these elements that we employ when we gather together at Eucharist. Now, I was out walking my dog first thing this morning, Neville, I have to tell you, hates rain, almost with a passion, and he will resist. So we've relented, and we bought him a little yellow raincoat, which he wears wears with great pride around the neighborhood, because, of course, it makes him cuter than he already is. So I had to get him into his raincoat this morning, and we went out. But as we were out there, I thought about the water that falls to the earth, which we have so deeply needed for such a long time. What a blessing it is. But also how something remarkable happens. This is the water that gives all of us life. It's the water that gives life to all of the plants. And just north of here, it is water that creates wine in one of the premier winemaking places on the planet. That is, to put it almost in Jungian terms, an alchemy of taking the elemental substance of water and transforming it into something that brings blessing, whether it is the creatures of the earth, or the plants that grow in our gardens and fields, or the wine at the table. 
That is to say that John is telegraphing to us something that the ancients understood as well, and that is that this Jesus is not just performing a miracle, but is actually disclosing to us that Christ is the creator, the Lord of creation, the mother of all that is. And we recapitulate that in our Eucharistic traditions. Because there is an old Catholic teaching, and I know I may get some Protestant feathers a little bit ruffled by saying this, about transformation of the elements. A divine alchemy, if you will, that happens as we gather in prayer and the Spirit of God moves. That transformation is there and is real to us as a community of faithful gathered, but is also meant to call us into lives that themselves are transformed. Because the hardest alchemy of all is about changing hearts and minds. This weekend, we're remembering the life and witness of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And Martin Luther King talked in one of his famous sermons about our vocation as Christians. He called us transformed nonconformists, lifting up various elements of Scripture. But what he meant by that is that we live in the world, but in a profound sense, we are not of the world. We are of a different world altogether. What Jesus called the kingdom of God. And we are being transformed by the presence and action of the Spirit in our midst. And this was very real for King and for all those who followed in his footsteps. Because if you can remember that deep alchemy of transforming profound anger, even rage, that was not just now but was generations deep, of having been disenfranchised and oppressed and violated and even killed, and taking all of that rage and anger and transforming it into peaceful action. If that isn't divine alchemy, I don't know what is. And it is our calling still, even in these times, when it seems like we have returned some to that rage and anger, how do we transform that into peaceful, nonviolent action that begins to transform other hearts and minds. John's response to that is this miracle, changing water into wine. And John wants us to see ourselves not only in that water and wine as we make the journey from the waters of baptism to the wine at the altar that we call the blood of our Savior, 
but in the ways that we walk that life of transformation every moment as we are out in the world and bring that in hope to a world that so desperately needs it. Water to the earth transformed into the wine that brings life and life to the great banquet that is our birthright because God has planned it from before time. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.